What the stepping of this man, Luke Johan. Bounce off from McNulty, and away he goes! Harry McNulty! Knight gets away, Knight, up to the 22, he won't be caught! Welcome back to This Is Sevens today. It is just me and the doctor as Harry is in Cape Town. Welcome back, Luke. How are we doing? Borda, I'm very well, thank you. Had a good weekend. I've caught up on all the Dubai Sevens or as much as it as as it as I can. I played a game of rugby on Saturday, just lost in the last kick of the game. It was a bit of a nail biter. And then uh, had a big uh, birthday celebration on Sunday. Did a thing called a disco brunch here in Hong Kong. Uh, get dressed up yeah, in disco attire. And then you have a steak and chips at about 11 o'clock. And then you're on the beers all day. So it was quite good fun. But you've had a far more hectic weekend or five days and i'm i'm very keen to hear all the stories from dubai nighty how are you doing now you back from the dead i am fully recovered after my flight home uh which was horrendous but yes i was out in dubai for the sevens uh but in a media capacity so i was brought on to help film a documentary behind the scenes documentary for emirates and the dubai sevens uh rupert cox headed up the team me and another cameraman so i just flew out for the three days uh day of travel flew out on the thursday uh, landed 2 a.m bed by 3 a.m up at 8 a.m and then shooting all day uh friday saturday sunday and then i flew home early hours of monday morning but yeah great great three days uh made me realize how much i missed the sevens how much and how, how awesome it is uh i knew dubai was epic but being able to see it from a new perspective was incredible you know i've been there as an elite player where i've been there as a coach uh in the inv- invitational setup so it was nice to see it from a new perspective behind the scenes what goes on uh get insight into yeah the setup and how much how much of an effort goes into creating the sevens from a media perspective but yeah terrific uh Terrific three days, plenty of funny stories. But yeah, basically my role was to second cam shooter. Uh, we followed a couple of teams. We were kind of showcasing the event through from the sort of setup through to it finishing off and through the eyes of several teams. So I think we followed seven or eight teams in total, uh, a couple of women's netball teams, women's uh, invitational teams, a couple of vets teams, and then some elite level teams. So we followed Ireland men and women. So... It was quite nice because I got to spend a lot of time with Harry. So I kind of was put assigned to the Island men uh, and I got access, you know, unlimited access to them. So in the change rooms, pre-game, post-game, pitch side, in the build-up. Uh, so, yeah, it was great. So I was bouncing between the main pitch, the back pitches, filming a bit of netball, filming a bit of cricket. And, yeah, it, it, it was really nice uh, to be in that that sort of that setup and and see harry getting in his team talks and everything like that but yeah there was a, a few how, funny moments I, from the weekend how so, sorry there's a couple of things i want to jump into there before we get into the funny stories uh any any good 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 team talks from harry any is he uh is he an effer and a blinder or is he quite calm as he goes through it he mixes it up the odd effing and blinding which uh i think it depends on the circumstances but it wasn't just him speaking there was a few lads chipping in uh, as all seven teams are speaking of team talks i was in the tunnel uh for one so if you win your event you get to the final event you get to play in the main pitch don't you so on finals day and uh, they must have been some under 18 australian <laughs> team and they give the most <laughs> heinous team talk i've ever heard in my life it was the f word was in every sentence it was the most bogan aussie free team talk they're like fucking hell lads uh we haven't come here for fucking nothing we've got to fucking smash oh, these cunts and win this fucking it. trophy every and the thing is they peak too early so they give that team talk and then they had a couple of minutes off and they did another team talk because the build the build up was so long and i was like lads you've started too high you you can't go any higher from here like where where did you go but that really (laughs) cracked me up but yeah there was some funny moments over the weekend long long days so for example on the saturday we we got to the site at 8 a.m and we didn't get back to the hotel till almost midnight so they were really long days but a couple of funny moments um one of the teams we following was joining jack yeah we're a charity vets team um a lot of northern uh rugby league legends playing it so but they're being coached by andy farrell island men's head coach and the other cameraman uh, who i've worked with previously was filming them he'd, he'd done a bit pre pre-tournament and a- andy farrell just turned to him one moment he's like you 
turn the camera off, stop filming. And he was like, what? <laughs> in a team battle. So he's like, and he looked at him really seriously. He went, stop filming, mate. And they went, okay. <laughs> and then later, so literally just shut him off. And then I think the day later, he went to their hotel to chat to them and find out a little bit more about their stories. And he had them in a circle. They were drinking a few beers, you know, going back and forth, giving each other a bit of banter. And then they went, right, your turn. So they grabbed the camera off him and went, how do you feel when Andy Farrell told you to stop filming? And he was like, <laughs> I felt so small. And then he said, I thought you guys were going to help me out and say, no, 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 you can film. They're like, we were not stepping into that moment. You were by yourself, mate. <laughs> we got absolutely rinsed for that. Was he, and like, he also had a shocker. So I'd, I'd, on, I'm assuming sorry. they'd ask for permission to film and whatnot. Was he just being not keen for it? I don't know. I think, well, he didn't let Netflix film in the uh, yeah, Six Nations, so I don't think he was going to let um, our mate film. He was just in the huddle and the team talk. He's like, what are you doing here, mate? Get out, stop filming. He just felt so small. He also got pushed over on the Ward on 3 when he was filming the CrossFit. He was actually stood in the way of a CrossFit and he just ran up and pushed him over. <laughs> so he had an all-round... <laughs> He had all round stinker across the weekend. Stinker. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going to ask you as well. So seeing all these teams going up close and personal, does that trigger you to get your boots back on? Um, no, but I will play in the vets when I become 35 because that looked good fun. There were some some big units floating around. Uh, it was nice to catch up with quite a few familiar faces. Uh, one of the teams we were filming was the 100 Legends uh, and there was Matt Turner was playing for them, so it was good to see him. And good old Jeb Groves, the yeah. cart horse, was back on, the, back on the, the circuit. So they won that event, so we were filming them. We got some really good content. The Evans brothers were on good form. Stefan Armitage, you know, huge, huge roster of players. So, yeah, it was good to follow them and see them win a trophy. Uh, again, another Aussie Aussie female team invitational. They were great, great value, really playing up to the cameras. Some uh, some inspiring team talks from one of their captains. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I had, I had a bit of a stinker after the tournament. So we finished up about 7 p.m. Uh, we went and got some beers in the HSBC suite. Watched the final from the stands. It was incredible. Went on the pitch. And then afterwards, uh, we went to the HSBC suite again. And we were having some drinks with the commentary team. And some of the ambassadors were there. And the ambassadors they had were Brian Habana and Dan Carter. And I was sort of sat. We were all drinking in a circle. Dan Carter was opposite. Uh, and I, firstly, I was like, I don't get starstruck by many people, but it's Dan Carter, you know, yeah, the, the goats. I'd, I'd, I'd be the same as well. He's uh, Even just seeing him on the socials, I was like, fuck, that'd be cool to have been there. Um, so, and I, while, while we're on it how good's the HSBC set up uh, if they do want to sponsor us on the pod then uh, we'd, we'd be very keen for that um, I was so un- we- unbelievable <laughs> unbelievable so one side of the the one side of the stand behind it they've got a hanger and the full length of the pitch they've just got sweets sort of back to back and yeah. everything in there is free so drink alcohol they got one for dhl one for hsbc one for heineken so we were in and ended up in the hsbc suite and he's drinking opposite me he's having a chat with another guy and then the other guy spills a drink everywhere and the music was playing really loud so you couldn't really hear unless you were chatting next to him. and he sort of looked over to me and he was like he pointed and he said something and in front of me was a can of beer some napkins and a can of cider so i <laughs> instinctively went went to hand him the can of beer and he went no 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 and he pointed again so I took the can of beer and then I handed him a can of cider and he went no 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 and he pointed again and by this point the cameraman who I was filming all weekend just went he wants napkins mate took the napkins off him and given to me and then he looked at me and was like that was your Dan Carter moment and you've just completely bollocks it up and I was like I've had an absolute shocker here yeah. sorry sorry Daniel I didn't mean to do that I'm do you want beer? Co- no no Cider? No, no, no. Napkins. Napkins is what I want, mate. I just, oh, absolutely. I didn't speak to him again after that. I was, I was yeah. done. Yeah. Maybe next year go back in and hopefully he's forgotten. Hopefully, hopefully he's forgotten. Yeah. But um, only had a couple of beers, uh, four or five beers max. Went home early and then I had, I don't know what happened, but I had the flight home from hell. Um, woke up 5 5.30. Flight was at 10 to 8. Got to the airport. All of a sudden, just felt incredibly ill. Uh, end up spewing in the toilets pre-flight. A lot of bile came up, and then on takeoff, I was sat there. I preempted this. I asked the uh, air hostess for a, a sick bag, and about three minutes into takeoff, I I projectile vomited into this little bag, <laughs> and I looked up to the lady on my left. I just went, "I'm so sorry," uh, but it actually worked out well in the end because the air hostess came over, sort of treated me like a small child that was ill, knelt down, and was like, "Are you okay?" Took some notes, and then they took me to the back, and I got my own little 
separated area. They sort of segregated me from the the main people. There was a little blocked off area and I had four four seats to myself. Napped for a few hours, woke up, and uh, yeah, it was absolutely horrendous. Uh, definitely wasn't the alcohol. I must have picked something up because four, four, four and a half pints or whatever it was would not do that to me. But yeah, <laughs> terrible, terrible flight home. Made of sterner stuff. <laughs> I was like, this is an old age. I've had four pints and I'm spewing on a flight home. I've never done that in my life. So. Depends what it was four pints of, though. I guess doesn't it? What was in? What was in the pints? I don't know. They, they Sam, three, Sambu- three pu- Sambuca, vodka. How heavy did you go? Just three pints of Heineken and uh, a, a pint of cider, a pint and a half of cider. That was it. Um, so, but yeah, it was all in all a great couple of days. Really long, but I enjoyed every minute of it. Made me realise how much I missed the sevens, and yeah, yeah it made me want to get more involved in that capacity. And and hopefully, fingers crossed, there'd be more of it. But yeah, great to get some insight and see it from a. From a different perspective, which we'll go on to now. Um, when, before we so, get started, when 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 can people watch what you filmed? Do you know? Oh, roughly, that's a good point. Do you know roughly so when that's coming a, out? I'm not 100 sure, but it's a two part documentary. I think the first part will be the build up to the tournament itself, sort of behind the scenes, and then the second part will be sort of following the tournament from a you know start to finish, sort of chronological order. But in the eyes of a few different teams, like I said, we followed six or seven. We followed netball. We followed invitational. We followed vets, and we followed uh, island men and women. So, Epic. yeah, a few success stories, but a few teams getting knocked out, semis and finals. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it's get put together. And uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure when it'll come out, but should be relatively soonish, I believe. Cool. Sweet. Let's get into a review of the Dubai Sevens. But before we do that, there was a sort of a big announcement made pre-event about some of the goings on so there's no longer any draws uh in group games they are now settled by golden point and there is only a losing point if you losing bonus point if you finish within seven points um a few other things there's no place no fifth place semi-finals the fifth sixth playoff is determined by points difference throughout the tournament so luke thoughts on that that was kind of thrown in very last yeah. minute not even the commentators knew about it don't think many players knew about it so they kind of had an emergency meeting on the friday uh because obviously that will affect the broadcast uh they have matches scheduled if it goes to extra time those matches are going to overrun it's going to have a knock-on effect so they had an emergency meeting about that what, what are your thoughts um did, did any of the games go to golden point I've, I've seen the scores and watched quite a few but i didn't clock whether any were a golden point decider or one, not one one women's game so canada beat usa in golden point uh they okay, scored the yeah. first ever group game golden point try uh yeah they they won that game but it, not too many but yeah it, it was interesting what what were your thoughts um i think the golden point is uh quite good they're obviously trying to make this more of a spectacle for tv and this is often uh where the american sports have gone to where they don't finish anything with a draw they always want a winner and a loser so maybe if that's to try and get a bigger crowd in there where you always have a winner and a loser i don't know could be quite a good thing we'll have to see how it plays out i'm sure there's some scenarios where there's been an incredible game and made deserve to finish as a draw like that's very common in rugby as well and we miss out on that um but maybe that also adds to the element of sevens where it does rely on the fitness and being able to go again and again and again and can you manage that mental kind of um not barrier but um uh, that the mental side of that where either you were just in the lead then teams draw with you can you pick yourself back up for another three four minutes to to decide the game so um yeah i'm open to it like i'm not playing as a spectator would be quite cool to see i'm sure there'll be some points where it works some where it doesn't uh what what did you think about it i thought it was interesting i thought it's a it's a good way to add jeopardy and drama and i think the way the 12 team format is where the top two from each group go through and then the two highest place third place finishers it's gonna allow for obvious winners and losers in that Um, i like the losing bonus point if you finish within seven i think that's a good way to get teams playing till the death uh, and not give up um but yeah i was not against it the one thing i was against is the not necessarily not having a fifth place semi-final because you know it, it reduces the workload on teams but the the playoff positioning being determined by points difference across the tournament rather than the quarterfinal results. So I looked at the the results and I was like, oh great, Ireland are playing um, 
I thought they were going to play USA, but it turns out they took the points difference from the group games as well, which I wasn't mm. really too keen about. That's day one. That's gone. I think you should determine it on the results from the quarterfinals. So I don't know. What, what do you make of getting yeah. rid of the fifth, the semifinals for the fifth place? You know, as a player, would you be happier with five games instead of six? Or would you want to play six games given that there's now only eight tournaments instead of 10? Uh, yeah, it's one of those catch 22 type ones i think if you know you have good points difference and maybe you're getting rewarded for being consistent over the previous four games you'd be like right i'll take this uh equally you could just have been in a slightly unfortunate game where say you did come up against uh new zealand or south africa who are just in crazy form in your group game you might have had a couple of injuries maybe a yellow card that could have or not been a yellow card and suddenly because you lost by say 21 30 points that costs you in day two i'm not sure that would be great so uh, for me i'd rather what you were alluding to there once day one's done the points difference is finished and then they take the points difference from the that'll be from the cup quarterfinals uh to take people into that i i could get my head around that as a as a player so even if say you're losing the cup quarterfinal you're obviously trying to get back and win it but there's also the the onus on you then to really make sure you don't lose by that much so that you get the the better seed in rather than having to play in the semi-finals so yeah, i think not don't agree with the group game points coming towards it but i think the points difference from the quarterfinals is potentially fair enough if this is something to do with number of games in a day the broadcast or, or whatever that's normally what it comes down to yeah a good point on that is well ireland went 29 nil down at half time to fiji in their quarterfinal yeah. and they staged an incredible comeback it wasn't quite good enough i think they lost 29 24 but you know harry spoke about it in the change room afterwards about how important not giving up was and the fact that these matches come down to points difference was the reason why they got that fifth sixth place playoff final and the reason they ended up being fifth was that second half comeback so yeah it definitely gives incentive not to roll over and die but i don't think the the previous day's game should should contribute towards that yeah agree sweet let's dive into the results then so let's go to the women's first um australia defeated new zealand 26 19 in an absolutely epic encounter in the final Australia became the first team to win four straight tournaments anywhere across the World Series. They've now won 22 games in a row in Dubai and they ended New Zealand's 42-game winning streak. In the process, Maddie Levi broke her own record, scoring 12 tries across the tournament. Tegan Levi, her sister, was player of the final with two incredible tries. And unfortunately, Georgia Miller was on the losing side but did score a hat-trick. Doc, thoughts on the final? And thoughts um, on the women's tournament in general? Amazing women's tournament. Like, what an amazing bang to start the year with. Particularly the final. New Zealand and Australia have obviously set the standard for the last few years within the women's game. And uh, they looked like they were going to come to lock heads in the final. Australia seemed very much that they had not an easier run. They just played and beat teams quite comfortably all the way to the final. New Zealand were tested, which maybe they weren't, you you don't see as often with New Zealand. So maybe Australia in the form, but New Zealand obviously have the pedigree of also winning these big tournaments. And towards the end of the last year, they were just winning everything. I thought it was an incredible final. You obviously mentioned the score there, and then you mentioned uh, Tegan Levi and Georgia Miller. And I just wonder whether this is the new big rivalry, not just between Australia and New Zealand, but between these two players. They were absolutely instrumental in that final and across the whole tournament they both i think georgia is 19 and tegan might be 20 and they've just signed the long-term contracts three and four years so we've got a guaranteed four years of these two battling each other but they play fairly similar and they were going hammer and tong obviously there's plenty of other superstars on that pitch at the same time in new zealand and australia but particularly those two they seem to they made big waves last season but particularly if this is where they've started now in the first tournament of the year i think this rivalry is just going to get bigger and bigger and this could be one for the ages so uh, it's 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 amazing to catch it quite early on what did you think of it yeah i i can care i thought it was an incredible final the skill set was unbelievable for both teams um yeah if you haven't watched it already i recommend going back and and watching the full match because start to finish it was it was phenomenal and yeah it was tegan levi incredible uh you know his sister often gets the headlines for her try scoring exploits but she was instrumental in that final not only with the two tries but she put in an absolutely colossal uh turnover hit uh to disrupt new zealand and then 
and maybe a few seconds later she went the length to score so that was the big clutch moment for me um but yeah both teams are sort of setting a standard which is a cut above all others i mean new zealand did get tested throughout the tournament uh canada were very very unlucky to lose to them and we'll get on to canada in a moment they were vastly improved georgia miller stepping up there in the semi-final uh to score the winning try but you know, they consistently perform at the top end of the spectrum, both Australia and New Zealand. And for me, Australia looked the better team throughout the tournament. They were barely tested until the semi-finals uh, and the finals. But yeah, those team, two teams just consistently performing, whereas, you know, the other teams, they might be able to challenge once or twice, but they're not being as consistent uh, as as those top two. So I think the other two teams have got to do a lot to, to step up there. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think from watching the games I think the biggest kind of attacking uh, even though it's their defensive principles but how they both teams go into the contact area so you mentioned that one with Tegan Lever that was obviously a huge clear out on I think it was Sheree Kaka uh, which led to the turnover but all throughout that 40 minute final they're pretty well matched when one team attacks and defends against each other but it's whichever team can get the turnovers through the contact area to get that extra kind of set of play they're the ones that seem to come on top in these games and it's it's not just the big hits to get people out of there it's how quickly they can tackle jackal and swing themselves back round when they're in attack or defense and for me i think that's what sets uh, new zealand and australia apart from a lot of the other women's teams just across their board across the board their contact area skills are just phenomenal um and then you obviously layer that in with the likes of uh, maddie levi on the wing she obviously broke that record of 12 tries uh beating her own record um and her finish right at the end for the winning try was was pretty incredible straight textbook for her um and yeah so yeah for me essentially that breakdown area is just phenomenal to watch from a technical standpoint yeah um they've they've had some athletes and they've really fine-tuned them over the the off season really up in their rugby now so yeah credit to them and they brought in a few youngsters that didn't look out of place so they're both going to be a force to re- to be reckoned with because both teams had quite a lot of youngsters on the field towards the end of the match. So, yeah, be interested to see how they go. Uh, but for me as well, Canada looked brilliant. They looked vastly improved from the other teams. You know, they beat USA and Ireland, uh, narrowly lost to New Zealand in the semis. Uh, and unfortunately, they were pipped in the bronze medal match by France, who finished third. But they're one of the other teams that impressed me. Uh, how about you, Doc? Any other thoughts on the rest of the results? It wasn't a great weekend for great britain who finished down in 11th place yeah i was um chatting to a few of the staff members uh across both gb um programs and i think they're still just struggling for kind of time on tasks uh they've had very limited contact time as coaches and players and also as the group as a whole together uh you're literally on you can count on one hand how many camps and training sessions they've had from the end of last season going into this season which is crazy when you think it's been like a three four month break um they definitely saw some improvement throughout the tournament um but they'll both they're both pretty disappointed where they finished up obviously you want to try and stay out this bottom four this season because you'll end up in that relegation battle um a couple of uh, maybe kind of glimmers of hope so there was obviously the GB men they um, beat Fiji and nilled them which was an incredible um, achievement anytime to beat Fiji but also to nil them is huge um, and I think it was Austin Emmons I think he's saying his name right I think he scored a brace in there and he's looking like a bright young star ready for the GB setup I think he came in literally for a week or two uh, when I was at the tail end of my career with GB and I remember thinking he looked very sharp then so that's awesome to see that he's kicked on and and he's now getting a chance on the world uh, world stage the GB women they finished with a win against Spain but on the same day they lost to Japan which is probably a game they would have expected to win but I think we called it in the pod last week Japan looked phenomenal in that Asian qualifying series uh, three or four weeks ago so yeah for them to beat GB 21-0 is quite a big scalp to take 
but I've got no I've got no doubt that both GB teams will get better as the season goes on. They just need more time together, more playing experience. They've got all the talent. They got the they've got a great set of coaches, unbelievable strength and conditioning set up with them as well. Uh, James Nolan, um, who works with them, he also runs the This Is Sevens Academy from a strength and conditioning point of view. Um, so if you did want to join the academy, you're going to be doing very similar work to what the GB men and women players are doing. Um, so you can check that out on the website if you like. It's uh, slightly disappointing, but it is only the first uh, tournament of the season. So there's no need for too much doom and gloom. And hopefully it's just going to be an upwards trajectory now for both GB teams. Yes, well said, well said. No, I think, yeah, good way to round off the women. Uh, for me as well, I, I just want to give, for me, there was two really huge moments that in the semi-finals which really stood out. Um, the Women's Cup final, Australia versus France. Australia were down to six. They were winning 14-7. France just had a try disallowed. And then Australia go the length to score with some great hands uh, to set Maddie Levy up, Maddie, Madison Levi up. And that's what won them the game because France came back and scored another try, but it won 21-14. But... The skill set to the quick hands to put her away was absolutely phenomenal. And then the other standout moment for me was in the other cup semi-final. It was 19-14 to Canada. Georgia Miller has just come on. She rounds one player, then steps to full back to go under the sticks. Uh, they convert the try and then they win 21-19. Again, two huge clutch moments uh, from both sides, which just showed to me uh, how how higher they are at a level than any other team at the minute. But yeah, two phenomenal bits of skill, which yeah. sort of earned them the place in the final and was able to create that incredible matchup which we all witnessed in the final yeah so we've got one clip each from Tegan Levi and Georgia Miller we'll put that in the description of the podcast so if you want to have a little look at it and see what they're up to this weekend it might help give some context to this uh well I'm gonna start branding it as the new rivalry and uh hopefully it just keeps kicking on sweet right from the women let's move on to the men South Africa defeated Argentina 12-7 in an absolutely physical final. South Africa have now won their fifth in a row in Dubai and it their 11th title. Uh, the only other team to have won five in a row in any event is Fiji and Hong Kong. And now they've won eight out of the last 10 tournaments in Dubai and they've won 11 out of their 12 finals, which is ridiculous. Uh, and they've actually now matched New Zealand for the most tournament wins in one location. And they've only lost one game in Dubai in the last five years some absolutely bonkers stats but you know south africa is it is ridiculous uh it was actually the fifth time argentina failed to beat south africa in a cup final so they played five lost five against south africa in a cup final uh thoughts thoughts doc can you uh name where new zealand have won 11 titles that was the only bit you missed out I think it's in South Africa, but across the different locations. But yeah, no, incredible feat from them. They are the kings of the desert. And I think they're back after that loss to Kenya in the African qualifier. That obviously was probably one of the lowest days within the Blitzbok history. And this is incredible, like a few months later to turn it round and, and come back out and win in such emphatic fashion and uh, against a very, very strong Argentina team. So it was a fantastic final, same as the women's. Uh, they're all on the Sevens website now if you go into Rugby Pass TV and you can watch them all back, which I think is a massive move forward in terms of the series coverage. But yeah, it was incredible. It was amazing to see Roscoe Speckman was back. He was looking absolutely rapid like he used to do when he was playing on the sevens I thought Gadul looked like he was back to his best not just with that playmaking ability where he's kind of stepping passing kicking but he put in some absolutely huge shots across the whole final and I think that was why South Africa won this final and why they did so well in the tournament they seemed to be hunting as as, as a pack they were taking space away from people you, you rarely see Argentina get bullied physically but definitely for the majority of that first half and then a lot of the second half it just looked a little bit like it was men versus boys they had Marcus Minera obviously and Gonzalez two lads you used to seeing cause an absolute carnage and South Africa just didn't give them an inch of space it was only when they went down to six players that uh, Mineta and Gonzalez had a chance to run and they got their try but it was a clinical clinical defensive display from the blitz box I mean they, they always pride themselves on as long as I've been playing sevens four but I think that was an absolute classic textbook performance from them exactly how they would have wanted to play 
How did you see it? Yeah, same. Uh, watched it live and then rewatched it back on the flight home. And like you said, South Africa bullied the bullies. Um, they matched them physically. Uh, they were putting in huge double hits uh, and their line speed was phenomenal. So they barely give Argentina any space to work with. Cut, they cut them down time and space and it led them to making a, quite a lot of unforced errors, which you usually don't see from this Argentina side. You know, they're a team that once they've got the ball, they're so hard to get it back off them. But South Africa were so dominant in defence and they brought so much line speed that they were constantly turning Argentina on, disrupting their flow of play, and it just didn't allow them to get settled. Um, so yeah, it was it was a phenomenal effort. But both teams across the weekend, you know, they were both unbeaten, they were both in great form, and yeah, it was it was it was a great matchup. But yeah, I think South Africa are back. It'll be interesting to see how they take this on to Cape Town next week. But they obviously had a lot of pressure from that loss to Kenya in the African qualifier. And, you know, sadly, uh, one of their players had lost their sister. So I think there was a lot of yeah. emotion running high. And a few of the players just said the whole squad, not the ones that were there, but the ones that were competing back home, really made them up their level, up their game and, you know, added to that performance. So, yeah, it was it was great to hear that they were all fired up and ready to go. Yeah, no, that was, uh, I hear them talking about that on the commentary. So, obviously very sad to see, but incredible um, to see, was it Dwald Human? Yeah, it was his yeah. sister, I think, as well. So I think he kicked the ball out at the end. Um, and then he was obviously in floods of tears and, and the team was all around him. We've got one clip which was doing the rounds on social media which was absolutely incredible you got to see it live but talk to me about selvin davids's feet i think it was for the first try he absolutely sent schultz face first into the ground just incredible uh it's madness yeah just such great footwork in a tight space to really unlock that defense you know argentina is such a strong defensive unit and just to send him i bet i don't think he even got a hand on him he just sent he him completely yeah. the wrong way so it he, was uh, class. Yeah, watching it back probably three phases before, uh, he had a little bit more space and Schultz in front of him. And to be fair to Schultz, um, anytime someone has got a bit of footwork, uh, coaches will always tell you to just try and take their space away. Don't give them that space and time to dance and use their footwork. Um, so I think David tries to almost do like a hop and a goose step and Schultz just takes that space, cuts him down. Um, and then three or four phases, David's obviously registered that, sees it to him in front of him again. And this time, rather than trying to jump and shoot out, he jumps and cuts back in. And I think Schultz was hoping the same thing was going to happen, but obviously completely different results. Absolute highlight reel step is incredible to watch um and he was looking so sharp so i thought he was well deserved getting the player of the final as well yeah he, he deserved that um any other thoughts on any other teams and any of the matchups did you manage to catch many other games uh just watching the two minute highlights to be honest i haven't had a load of time to watch them back um although looking at that new sevens website there's definite it's definitely far easier to find footage and watch things back than it was particularly here in hong kong where it was pretty much nigh on impossible unless you went uh, went to a specific bar and watched it live so i think that's a massive improvement from them the only other one uh that i did include one of the clips which i'll put in the description is uh rock Lusoa's try um on day one i think it was it was absolutely just crazy footwork he uh, uses upper body strength to push someone off then he goes straight back into a goose step and uh, just showing why he's one of the best sevens players in the world and probably has been for the last few years um but i always like seeing that flair in sevens and i think that was one of the best examples from the weekend for me yeah, he's phenomenal. Just the all-round skill set he has, the gas, the footwork, absolutely phenomenal athlete. Uh, New Zealand finished third. Third, they beat Fiji. Ireland finished fifth, defeating Samoa. And Australia finished seventh, defeating USA. Not a great weekend for Great Britain. Um, they only won two matches. Like you said, they lost two of the groups. They managed to nil Fiji, which is a hell of a result. But then they lost again to France in that ninth-placed final uh, any other thoughts on any of the results or how some other teams got off? Uh, just looking at the GB results, they obviously lost 35-0 in the first game and then 22-0 in the second game. I think they'll uh, the men, they'll be 
quite disappointed with that. Obviously, uh, France is one of the big European rivals. So yeah, that not to score against the team in a game is is never a great feeling. Um, but to not score in two consecutive games in the same weekend against the team that that's kind of a double like kind of getting kicked while you're down so yeah slightly disappointed but like I said hopefully this is just the first tournament and they'll just go on that upslope now as the season progresses yeah fair enough I well haven't been involved with the island camp you know they were they were gutted about that quarterfinal but for them it was one bad half across a weekend of fixtures where they performed really well they got beaten by Argentina in the groups but you look how good of an Argentina team that is and it was a, a very tight game but you know they spoke about how disappointed they were with that first half and but they also spoke about how well they did to rally and come back in that second half and they finished with a convincing win over Samoa and I thought they looked like a really good all-round outfit you know Terry Kennedy was back on his incredible uh, player of the year form that he won a few years ago so you know that them having him back was a, was a huge huge bonus but yeah they got some youngsters coming through that stepped up and I thought Ireland looked like a, a great all-round team across across the weekend uh, one final thing for me I want to apologize to Canada I said they were the perennial whipping boys and they actually nearly beat New Zealand in their first game I know uh, so yeah, I hold my hand up there. I apologise to the Canadian Canadian team. Uh, they proved me wrong, but they they did finish last, unfortunately, uh, being beaten by Spain in that eleventh, twelfth place final. So it's going to be a tough old year for them. But if they show the grit and the determination they did against New Zealand uh, on a consistent basis, I think they could end up uh, even in those quarterfinal spots. Definitely, definitely, particularly with this three group, twelve team format. Uh, the road to the quarterfinals in the games can be more difficult. I think actually getting yourself into the quarterfinal is potentially slightly easier than the 16-team format because um, you can go in from winning just one game in the group stage. Yeah, I think yeah, it's definitely tougher in terms of the quality of the teams is higher, but because you have those two third best place runners up, uh, there is an opportunity to not do as well and sneak through and matches aren't one on day one they're one on day two tournaments sorry aren't one on day one they're one on day two <laughs> nil, nil nil half time lads <laughs> nil nil let me try that again the tournaments are one on day the tournaments are one on day two not on day one so if you can sneak through and then really find your form on day two uh, you never know what can happen so yeah looking forward to Cape Town obviously second week tournaments are significantly harder uh, then week one, obviously, you've got a lot of fatigue, uh, a lot of tiredness and legs, sore bodies. So trying to go back to back is, is a lot harder. Uh, any thoughts on that, Doc? Yeah, it's the it's definitely a lot harder. And I think we chatted on it a few podcasts ago. Those second week tournaments, you often see some, some teams having a good run. So often teams are maybe in that bottom four, bottom five. You then start to see them. They win one or two games in the group in the group stage, get themselves into a cup quarter final. So yeah, it always used to be like say Singapore as an example after Hong Kong. Uh, maybe slightly less traditional teams that you'd see in the semi-finals and finals would fight end up there. Um, so I think it's going to be a very very interesting tournament in Cape Town. Always one of my favourite. And I was jealous seeing you in Dubai, but I'm extremely jealous of seeing all the teams again in Cape Town. I think it's such a incredible tournament. Yeah, we'll talk about why that is. First. We'll quickly look at the pools. Uh, pool A, South Africa, Ireland, USA, Great Britain. Uh, this is the men's Pool B, Argentina, Fiji, France, Spain. Pool C is New Zealand, Samoa, Australia, Canada. Just glancing at that, I mean, again, no easy pools, but I think Ireland can look at that and be, you know, take some respite. I think that's not a horrific pool. It's not a great pool. Uh, obviously, it'd be tough going against the hosts, especially in the form they're in, but... Uh, South Africa have struggled in recent years in their home tournament, perhaps maybe too much pressure, uh, which we know they can succumb to. Uh, but any thoughts on those pools, Doc? Uh, yeah, so they're crazy again, as uh, we've said, looking at the first tournament. Uh, you're going to have some incredible matchups on that day one in the group stage. Particularly looking forward to, say, like a... Fiji Argentina in Pool B that's going to be absolutely massive yeah it's going to be tough for all the groups to be honest the, um, we can have a guess at who's going to get through but I think this year's what's been shown from the first tournament is going to be probably harder than ever to guess and pick and the standard of the group games in the first day is, is just incredible yes and then the women's groups Pool A Australia Fiji Japan Spain 
Pool B, New Zealand, Ireland, Brazil, Great Britain, and Pool C, France, Canada, USA, South Africa. Uh, again, you know, New Zealand, Australia, cut above the rest. It's a tough, tough pool for Great Britain, isn't it? It is. Like we probably did mention it there, but Brazil looked in looked in really good form in Dubai as well. So they just narrowly lost to uh, Island Women, I'm pretty sure, in the group stage uh, and had a good tournament themselves. Uh, it's going to be tough, but this is what happens in these 12-team formats. You're going to have to play all the best teams and you're going to have to fight from day one, game one now. Uh, so it's a great challenge and I know that the GB women will be absolutely raring and ready for it. Like uh, this is, I think this is right, this is the only doubleheader tournament for the year now. Is that correct? No, no Vancouver the, and uh, LA okay. is, is doubleheader. So for me, if I was to have a weekend where maybe didn't, quite go so well what i always loved about the sevens was that you could get straight back on the horse and next weekend go go and have another chance to try and make amends um so for these teams that did find themselves in the bottom four i'm i'm sure they're absolutely itching to get into cape town to try and right some wrongs that they maybe felt happened in dubai this weekend yeah that's fair enough uh looking at past winners you are right uh, new zealand have won the south africa sevens on 11 occasions it's been held across multiple locations but the most recent winners from from a men's perspective, with Samoa, who triumphed in 2023. They beat New Zealand. But the last time South Africa when it was way back in 2015-2016. So they'll be raring to go, uh, buoyed by the success of Dubai, wanting to carry that on for their home crowd. Uh, from a women's perspective, uh, it's only been running there two years, but New Zealand are the back-to-back -back champions there. So big pressure on Australia to try and disrupt them. They've beaten Australia on both occasions. So... For me, I, I can't I can't look past those two teams again in the final, uh, making it through unless they end up meeting in a semi-final. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of dominance from those two teams in the women's game until the others step up. Uh, but from the men, Doc, what what do you think about who do you think is going to going to take this? We might as well keep guessing because <laughs> why not? Well. I would absolutely love to see South Africa win in South Africa. Um, I've obviously been there for a few of the tournaments where they've lost in the final, um, which is always a massive heartbreak because as the home nations go, I'd say they're right up there with one of the best supported home nation countries when it comes to their tournament. Um, there was a year where Wales played them in the quarterfinal and the whole of the stadium was full and it was like a unbelievable sound and the boys still talk about it today as one of the most memorable matches ever looking at past results they've obviously they obviously do so well in dubai and then don't quite get there in south africa um surely that can't happen again surely this time they're winning so i'd love to see them win so i'm gonna say south africa winning the men's even though it's against the runner history okay okay uh, i'm gonna go for argentina again I'm going to back them. I'm going to get them to bounce back. We're going to do a tally chart. Um, we're going to go three points if you get it right, two points if your team loses in the final, and one point if your team gets bronze. So you're on one point. I'm on two points for the men because you chose New Zealand last week. Are you sure I didn't say South Africa to win by one try, Argentina second, and New Zealand bronze? No, sure no, I'll I didn't do a say that. I'll do a tally chart. See how, see how badly we... See who, see who wins at the end. Okay, okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. Who, who's going to come out on top of the women? I am going to say... Um, I can't see Australia. I think, it, yeah. I think, again, it'll be New Zealand, Australia in the final. I think Australia will come out on top New Zealand obviously had a massive loss in Sarah Hirini uh, getting injured and she has gone home uh, looking at their social media um, so she's a massive loss for them so that just makes me tick it over towards Australia again for Cape Town same here uh, yeah best wishes to Sarah and congratulations on 100 World Series tries which she clocked up this weekend I do believe wonderful that was always something I would have loved to have got uh, got close to and completed uh, incredible achievement getting 100 right Doc Cape Town this weekend uh, what makes it such a special tournament in your eyes uh, it really is one of the one of the most special tournaments uh, like I said I'm very jealous seeing all the players and fans heading down there for this weekend I'd love I'd love to go back out there for the weekend for it it's 
just incredible from all kind of aspects. Uh, as a player, it's one of the better hotels. They stick you right down in the waterfront in Cape Town, which if you've ever been, it's a really, really cool place. You have the sea uh, heading out to Robin Island one way. And if you look back up behind you, you have Table Mountain there every morning off to the, uh, let's call it the left, looking at the uh, hotel, you can see Lion's Rock. And then off to the right, it's just the rest of Cape Town, which kind of sprawls off uh, around the side of Table Mountain. So as the hotels goes, it's incredible. The food is absolutely top notch. It's one of the best places to stay. Even things like when you turn up from the airport, they have all of the staff from the hotel down at the front. They're all singing, playing music, giving you a proper welcome every time you turn up. So as soon as you land in Cape Town, you know you're in for a special week and a special tournament stuff to do in the week as a player is incredible so you can the the things i've already mentioned but you can also go over to camps bay there's numerous different things kind of going round table mountain or like uh, i did uh one year where we went up in the helicopter and went over i just think it's an incredible incredible place to visit not just for the rugby but just to go on holiday too there's also the each week when we went to cape town you go out for a tea meal and we went to this place called the butcher's shop which has some of the best steak i've still ever had at just like phenomenal prices being in south africa um, and then on the tournament day like i mentioned it's one of the most well supported home tournaments the only thing that is slightly weird sometimes is if it's the game before south africa and then the game that south africa are playing the stadium will be absolutely jam-packed and then if it's not necessarily like one of the slightly bigger teams like your fiji or new zealand or argentina the whole stadium does kind of clear out and they go and do something else for about 20 minutes before south africa come back on but still it's an incredible stadium Stadium, unbelievable pitch and I'd say it might even be the best food that's available to the players during the tournament day and then you do have to give it a shout out I think it's closed or it has been closed the last few years that we did go back but Shimmy's this beach nightclub in Cape Town used to be one of the best stops on the whole world series so to summarize it's just got a bit of everything for the players the fans outdoor activities incredible training pitches and location food is amazing so i absolutely love it as a tournament yeah i can only echo your thoughts uh, i've been there as a player and i've been there recently in the summer uh, on holiday and it's just a beautiful place uh the scenery and topography is absolutely phenomenal with the table mountain overlooking camps bay lion's head so many things to do off the field, um, so many trips you can do from climbing Table Mountain, Lion's Head, going to Robin Island, going up to Stellenbosch, to the wine yards, you name it, it's something for you. And people are incredibly friendly. The food is phenomenal and the meat is so cheap. It's uh, berserk, the prices you pay for a fillet steak. But yeah, absolutely love Cape Town and yeah, very jealous of everyone who's going out there to watch. Hopefully the support is phenomenal and uh, continues uh, on the back of some very successful years there. But yeah, looking looking forward to that, watching that this weekend from home. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be an unbelievable tournament. Right, Doc, moving on to overrated, underrated. I'm going to yes. change it from overhyped, underhyped, but we're going to go to overrated, underrated. Um, first one, electronic passport gates. <laughs> Um, no, no, I brought this up because <laughs> something happened. Hey, something, ha something happened on the weekend, did it? <laughs> oh, I just hate them. I'll, 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 I'll go into them in a sec. But your thoughts on electronic passport gates? Uh, yeah, I, I found them really annoying. So, um, as many people know, I'm bald. Um, I have been bald for quite a long time, but until updating my passport, maybe two or three years ago, I still had a photo where I had hair in it. And obviously these electronic passport gates couldn't even possibly work this out. Um, so it was always a bit annoying when you queue up and then you end up having to walk to the other queue. So yeah, they're overhyped. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of them, but saying that since I've updated my passport, they do seem to work a little bit better. Yeah, they're, they're overhyped. I, I dislike the fact that they send you to them automatically despite there being about 10 people on a Wait on the man there. desk there's no one there they're like no no you've got to go to the i've got i get through most times but it's just funny seeing old people that clearly have no clue putting their passports in backwards um yeah over overhyped for me it's just like people at security that don't know what they're doing i think they should be fines for that whether you get to the airport security and they're still no clue what they're doing yeah they should yeah. be straight to jail 
No trial, nothing. <laughs> Overcooked chicken, straight to jail. Mess around the airport security, straight, straight to jail. To jail. <laughs> Don't uh, pass next, go. <laughs> next one. Um, Norma Tech boots. You know, these stupid things that you put on your feet. A lot of the players were using them in the tournament. I have not seen these. What are the Norma Tech boots? You know, the... They were around when you were around. Oh, the, do you mean the recovery leg skins? Are they called Normatech now? No, the ones that inflate and yeah, pump. Yeah, 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 that's them. Yeah. Uh, they were called... Uh, they were called... Reco- uh, something like recovery legs or something. I actually really like those. Um, I think they are the right level of heightness or ratedness for them um i was never a massive fan of massages like i think particularly at the tournaments there's often quite a variance of sometimes you'll have someone who like really gets stuck in to say your hamstrings then another time someone is literally just like tickling you or blowing on your leg and you're like this is such a waste of time whereas at least with these uh, recovery leggings you can set them to different times different um what's called uh, pressures and then they're exactly the same every single time so I actually quite like them they're a nice way just to flush your legs out um, so yeah Normatech if you want to sponsor the podcast as well have your people chat to our people we'll sort it out love that and uh, I don't have any I've never used them so I'm gonna I'm gonna remain impartial on that do one you, do um, you think that, what if they do you think they'll grow the calves or do you think they'll hinder the growth of the calves <laughs> nothing nothing will grow the calves mate <laughs> I actually, uh, funny, funny, speaking of just my faults, I came back from Dubai Paler. I think I'm one of the only people that can go to Dubai and come back Paler. It's, it's, it's a skill. I don't know how my translucent skin just lets the light pass straight through it, I believe. So um, final one, <laughs> Biltong. Biltong. I think it is underhyped, to be honest, because there's there's different degrees as there is with most different foods and drinks and things and like the quality and the level of it um i'd rarely buy biltong when i'm say back in the uk or in hong kong uh but when we go to cape town the difference in the quality and the volume you can get for how much you pay for i think it's unbelievable so i always used to get like a massive uh, literally like uh, half a kilogram or a kilogram bag that lasted me the whole week and then I get another one to take home um, I'm not sure it's great to be in quite as much red meat in that volume in like two three kilograms and then the steaks that you would have in the week as well uh, but it's that South African diet this is why they're absolutely massive um, so yeah I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's under hype because I imagine most people haven't had the chance necessarily to try that like proper fresh uh biltong from somewhere like south africa and uh, i think it would change your mind on it if uh if you've only ever tried kind of that supermarket stuff yeah i can concur not to confuse it with beef jerky which is terrible yeah. which tastes like chewing plastic uh biltong softer more more delicious and delicate more flavorsome but like you said it it's it's okay in the packets, but when you buy it fresh, especially from uh, its home source in South Africa, it's absolutely incredible. And if you can get some from a butcher's, even back home, it's so much better than buying it in the packets. But like you talked about, I was I ate so much of it when I was over in Cape Town over in the summer that my my guts were like, stop yeah. giving me this much meat. <laughs> um, it, just just once you start as well, you can't stop. It's yeah. so delicious and flavoursome. It's it's yeah, you just power it down yeah do you think that's the same with something like beef jerky though do you think if you went uh, straight to the source in somewhere in america it would be better or do you just think that's that's damned forever i don't know yeah i just can't see it being as tender and succulent as built on no i'd agree with you right doc uh we'll finish up with this is this isn't sevens cool so we're gonna go into this isn't sevens just one let's go into a combination of the dubai organizers slash world rugby i'm not really sure who to throw this at but i was speaking to the gb management and they made uh the majority of the women's teams check out of their rooms on uh sunday more on the second day of the competition play a full day of competition and then they had two rooms that they could go and shower in before waiting all the way until midnight to leave for their flight at three in the morning i just think there's so much in terms of like 
player um not player safety but how much stress this is putting on you this is always meant to be at the forefront of world rugby's minds uh so then they were telling me that i was like this is absolutely shocking and i know it wouldn't get uh sent out to the masses uh i thought we better do something about it on the this is sevens pod your thoughts on that nighty that's pretty pretty horrific mate um yeah i mean i was in dubai and as you know there's limited changing rooms Uh, a lot of teams share changing rooms so the men were granted the change rooms beneath the stand uh on the main pitches and the women had to use the clubhouse change room which isn't far away but it's a walk but the men got the change rooms on both days so again they talk about equal footing it would have made sense men one day women the other day but again, favoring the men. So yeah, that's pretty pretty despicable having them to check out. It's, yeah, I think there was a few of the men's teams on there, but I think it was the majority of the women's teams. I think he might even have said that Argentina were on that flight as well, which is just crazy. Like all the way to the cup final, and like what time would that cup final have finished roughly when you were there? Uh, it was five to eight, I believe. It, okay. it kicked off, so it would have been a late one late one so by the time they get back to their hotel then you literally have to jump on a flight and sit there for uh what's the flight time like 10 12 hours all the way down to south africa yeah i know harry had an early flight because i saw some of his team at the airport so they were early doors um so yeah it's not not great that not great not great for player welfare welfare that's the word i was looking for earlier right jumping in to this is sevens quite a few different bits going on so in terms of some big news from players uh tyler nathan wong is coming back to the seven she's confirmed uh after christmas she's obviously been tearing up within rugby league so that's amazing to have one of the superstars return back and uh, apply her skill to the new zealand sevens team a big shout out to i'm gonna actually give it to world rugby slash the sevens new branding I wasn't 100% sure when I first saw it. I know a lot of the tournaments aren't particularly happy with it. I don't know if they're more unhappy by World Rugby have taken far more control of how a tournament's run. But a few of them, when I've been chatting to them, weren't as pleased about some of the colours or the designs they've been given. But I actually think it worked really, really well in terms of how it visually looked on the screen with how the team's names were done, the different graphics that were coming out. I think it looks retro, but like really cool. Uh, I actually really liked it. And then I thought the website looked cool and I found the app and the website far easier to work this year in terms of even just being able, we mentioned it earlier, just being able to get the footage up. Like you can actually watch the whole day of sevens back if you want to do it with the normal commentary on it. Um, And it seems to be the case, doesn't matter where you are in the world, which I think is a massive step forward. So they get a mention in this is sevens. There was a few massive milestones as well. So first of all, Perez and Logel from France, they hit 70 and 90 tournaments respectively. They've been really, really good mates for a long time. And we've obviously played France a heck of a lot of time. Uh, They've done it at a similar uh, age range to when I was doing it. So I followed them right from when they started and they're obviously still going. So that's incredible to see. Um, But this is sevens this week. Sorry, no, not one more. Gaston Revol has hit 100 tournaments, we're pretty sure. Um, which is an incredible achievement. We're probably going to try and mention him every single podcast now until he finally retires. Uh, so he we came can... up clutch to me as well in the yeah. semi-final, scoring the winning try. What a guy! And it's incredible. <laughs> and it was uh, I just watching him play again. Like they keep saying that he's like thirty-seven or thirty-eight or whatever it is, and then in that next sentence, he just goes and dives in at someone's legs and leg chops them, gets back up and steals the ball, and just like this man is not playing like he's thirty-seven or thirty-eight. You can see why he's still playing and carrying on. It it it's unbelievable to see and nuts to think that if I did that to his age, then I would pretty much double my career length starting from now, and I could go on for another eight probably 10 years it's crazy but the this is sevens this week is actually going to go to everybody who attended dubai sevens just looking at it all on social media there was some incredible fancy dress outfits we did chat about it before the someone must have been listening because the what would you call them naive the octopus umbrellas seemed to turn up but there was people in alien outfits there was barbie there was all sorts going on uh, and on top of that there seemed to be a lot of the games i watched anyway there seemed to be a 
lot of very very much younger fans uh, hopefully younger players who are watching these men and women push the limit of the sports and hopefully they're getting inspired to carry on playing find more opportunities to play and maybe one day find themselves an international jersey so this is sevens this week is going to everybody who fully bought into the dubai sevens this week whether you're there in fancy dress playing um or you were just there just watching big well done it looked incredible on social media and obviously very jealous i wasn't there thoughts on that christopher yeah i think we got to add big harry mcnulty hitting 50 tournaments for ireland and stacy flood for the women so congratulations to them but yeah fancy dress efforts phenomenal big jordan ainsley turned up with his squad in the alien costumes i don't know if you saw that on socials i did yeah uh, big jordan uh yeah some phenomenal outfits some horrendous outfits as well i think i saw one of the worst ones i've ever seen uh i won't even discuss it because it was pretty pretty horrific at a family-run event but yeah uh what a what a what a start to the seven series dubai sevens is back and showcasing why it's arguably the best sevens tournament in the world uh so looking forward for it returning next year and hopefully doc we'll be both out there uh doing content running the show you know live, what i'm saying live podcasting from the hl stand or donato or whatever they call them now exactly exactly before we finish up i want to give a massive uh shout out to jean baptiste gobelet uh king of Biarritz, said he'd handle the socials this week so if you've got any questions find them over to jean, jean baptiste gobelet uh yeah absolute legend man mountain that is jamba remember where ever you get your podcast please give us a review and leave us a comment it does help and if you send us a screenshot of the five-star review doc will get you a running plan uh, no one's claimed it we're, we're still out there we're waiting so yeah get them in uh but yeah that's it for us we'll be back next week with a review of the cape town sevens stay fit stay safe and look after yourselves <laughs> <laughs> what a way to end that Challenge. stay fit stay safe <laughs>